ultimately people want their problem solved. And that's where good communication actually starts and being clear on what's the problem that you solve. In an ideal world, you wanna be known for solving a problem. Every great brand in the world is known for solving a problem. So it's getting very clear on what's the problem that you solve. Trust equals transactions. And so if you establish trust, you will get what you want, which is another member, you'll get the sale. But without it, don't be surprised that people are not buying because you're just not trying to build trust. You're just cutting your prices. You're running a sale. You're giving a promo code out. And that doesn't give me trust. It just gives me savings, right? Welcome to the Fitness Empire Podcast, where we show gym owners how to dominate their competition and build a massively profitable fitness business. Dustin and Matt collectively own 12 gyms and have a combined 30 years of experience in the fitness industry. They're here to help gym owners create an empire of impact and income. Hello, hello, gym owners. Welcome to another episode of the Fitness Empire podcast with your host, Dustin Bogle, Matt Wilbur. And we just finished up an awesome series all about hiring. So if you need coaches and you need to build out a hiring process, go back and listen to that. And so now we're going to be shifting gears and we're going to go into the next big topic that a lot of gym owners need help with, and that is getting leads. And before we dive into strategies and tactics on how to get leads, First, we want to start, like most coaches do, with the mindset stuff and give into the deeper, more root problems that are causing things to not happen the way you want them to happen. So it's probably not you need a flashy new ad. It's probably not you need a sexy new title to your next challenge. It's probably something else. And that's what me and Matt are going to be tackling today. So guys, this is a valuable topic because it's one we hear often, and that is my leads aren't buying. I'm running ads. I'm getting messages. I'm getting contacts, but nobody's buying and I'm frustrated. And the thing that we hear often is the leads are no good, but we want to push back on that. And we want to tell you about the three reasons that your leads aren't buying and break through that mental barrier that you're having and give you the truth. Cause that's how me and Matt coach. We're very direct. And so that's what we're going to dive in today. So this is a good one to listen to, but also probably a good one to take notes. So we're going to just jump right in, Matt. The first thing that causes people to not buy is just a very simple answer. And that is confusion. Confused people don't buy. And so I know, again, this is something that you and I definitely see eye to eye on. And we're always trying to simplify the wording on our messaging, whether it's on our social media, on our website, uh, what we're saying here on our podcast, we're trying to make it as simple. People try to impress people with big words or complexity And I'll just, I'll even own up to something that happened recently in my business. My team wants to run a workshop on nutrition for our clients. I said, love it. Let's do it. So what's the topic? And they're like, I think I want to touch on periodization. And immediately I pumped the brakes and I said, you're going to confuse the clients. They don't know what the heck that is. That's trainer talk. They have no idea. We have to simplify it. And so we had to come up with a simpler workshop term in the terms that the client would know. And that was me catching that. So as business leaders, you need to look out for confusion and making things your internal lingo, your industry lingo, and make it for your customer. So Matt, I'm going to let you hit on it first. What's your input on confusion costing a gym owner from getting a lead to buy? Man, you set me up for my topic because especially when you think about periodization, what we really need to go is what problem does periodization solve, right? Because ultimately people want their problem solve. And that's where good communication actually starts and being clear on what's the problem that you solve. In an ideal world, you want to be known for solving a problem. Every great brand in the world is known for solving a problem. So it's getting very clear on what's the problem that you solve, which we'll get to just in a second. But clarity sells. I'm going to say that over and over again. Clarity sells. Cute and clever confused people and confused people don't buy. If I'm confused on how you can help me, how can you make my life better? What problems can you solve for me? And ultimately, how do you help me survive? Because every human being on planet earth, it's wired in our DNA to survive. So if you can wire link what you do to helping me survive and live a better life, I will buy your product. 
So we need to get clarity on the messaging and the positioning. So some things to be thinking about. What is your niche? What are you known for? If you tried to be everything to everybody, you will help nobody. I know you want to help people. And oftentimes we struggle because we're like, I can help this person. I can help this person. I can do this and I can do that. You are going to be broke. I don't care how many degrees you have, how many letters you have behind your name. It doesn't matter. You need to be the best in the world in solving one problem. So what is that problem that you solve? Most of the gyms that I know of that do really well, they solve a major pain point. They help middle-aged women lose weight. Be the best in the world at helping middle-aged women lose weight. You have 80% of the market share in our industry. So when you're looking at your niche, you have to realize, is this big enough that there's enough people that I can serve? Because sometimes people niche way too, like they go over niching and then there's no one there to actually serve. So there does have to be people that you can serve inside of that. But some of the craziest niches inside of our industry make the most amount of money. Think about doctors. Do you want to be a generalist or do you want to be a surgeon or a specialist? Who makes more money? Specialists and surgeons make five times the amount of money, five to 10 times the amount of money than a generalist. A lot of gym owners struggle because they're trying to be a generalist and be able to serve everybody. Once you niche to what you want to provide, then really looking at what's the avatar that you're trying to speak to. You can't speak to men and women in the same message. You're going to fail. If you're trying to be too general, too vague, because you want to reach everybody, again, you're going to reach nobody. So who are you trying to message to with that? And then once you do that, the next key is now you want to be known for solving their problems and understanding their pain points better than they do. So what are the top five to 10 problems that person goes through that your business can uniquely solve? Eventually, you want to try to get down to what's the major one, which we'll talk about in just a second. But when you start creating content, your email copy, your social media, everything that you put out into the world, it should all be around the five to 10 problems that that avatar has that you have a unique solution to to help them with that problem. Because People pay the highest amount of money to get out of pain. Pain is a problem. So the more pain that person is and the better you are at solving that pain and you understand that pain, the more money you're going to make. If you take what we're talking about right now, you can pretty much print money. But most people don't know what their niche is. Most people don't know who they're trying to serve. Most people don't go to the length of really trying to understand the pain points and problems that person has. So then how do you create a solution to something that you don't really even understand? But once we go through that process, the next thing that we want you guys to be thinking about is clarifying your message with a one-liner. This comes from StoryBrand, which I really recommend their content and their information. But a one-liner is broken up into three things. What's the problem? So again, we want to be known for solving a problem. When we look at our one-liner, you want to create a specific one-liner for your company. And then we're going to talk about creating one-liners for different features of your business and also being able to use it in your email content. I'm going to show you examples of how it applies because sometimes we struggle with the application. So I'm not going to leave any confusion on how it applies today because we're talking about being clear with our message. But the one-liner breaks out into what's the problem. So think about what's the number one problem that your clients face. There's a fitness franchise that does 30-minute workouts. Their number one thing that they actually solve is their 30-minute workouts. There's a lot of people in that franchise that think 30-minute workouts is a disadvantage. It's not a disadvantage. It is their greatest marketing advantage because the number one reason why people don't work out is they believe they don't have time. So they are solving the number one reason why people don't go to the gyms. They should go all in on that. Their unique solution is that they actually have 30-minute workouts that solve that problem and allow the client to get the outcome that they desire. So the next part of that, once we have the problem defined, the next thing is what is the unique solution that you provide for that problem? And then what is the outcome that they get? So obviously, if you know what they desire, you want to be able to link 
their desire to the outcome that they're getting with your solution. So again, the one-liner setup, what's the problem? What's your unique solution to that problem? And then what is the outcome that they get when they do business with you? And one of the easiest ways to think about the outcome is which results in. So they do the unique solution, which results in, obviously, again, whatever their desire is, you'd be able to link it to that. Now, I'm going to throw something in here real quick, because I think this is something that I see commonly is you're saying niche down to a person, an avatar, and sometimes people think more is better. So I'm going to launch a senior program and a kid's program and a couple's program, and I'm going to have family plans. And like, I'm going to try to be that's everybody. I'm going to work with athletes, student athletes. And so notice the guys in that one liner, you couldn't fit all those people in a one liner. You can't say I help everybody lose fat and get ready for sports and improve their coordination. And we do it through X like you couldn't. You, it's meant to force you to simplify to a specific avatar. And when we try to get, like you said earlier, too cute and clever, there's also a danger to niching down to something that people don't have a problem. So example here in Texas, I saw a gals running goat yoga. And I'm looking at our advertisements. What problem are we solving? Who's saying I need to get around goats more and I need to stretch? Like, it's just so weird that she went to a weird place with niching where that can actually push people away. And they're like, hey, I don't get it. I don't need it. And I'm not going to buy it. And so again, um, just want to share that with people, because I think sometimes I hear gym owners say, I'm going to add more programs. We're going to try to, like, figure out how to serve more population. And I've yet to see it go well for somebody when they add too many layers on their core offer. So it's really get good at that. If you haven't built a million dollar gym on your main offer, don't think adding more is going to get you there. Better is better, not more is better. So that's really what I want to just dive into. And then you're not going to be the best at that. If you're, you can't be the best at weight loss. You can't be the best at sports. You can't be the best at older adults. It's, you can really be the best at one thing and being able to go all in on that. Because not only does it confuse the marketplace, it starts confusing your team and starts creating complexity inside of your organization. And then you got a million things going and you never feel like you're making progress and progress equals motivation. So if you want to be demotivated, try to do a bunch of things really well. It doesn't usually work out. A couple of things that I missed on the problem side of things is it's got to be a problem you can actually solve because if you're out in the world saying we're the best in the world at X, Y, and Z, and then you're actually not, that is going to obviously kill your reputation. And then in the fitness industry, we are very competitive and there's a lot of me too, and everybody looks the exact same. So what is unique and different that you provide at your gyms? For example, in my gym's one-liner, we actually go after the one-size-fits-all gyms. So basically saying one size fits all gyms are failing you. You're not a failure. The problem is the industry is one size fits all. At Transform Fitness, we provide a custom fitness solution, blah, blah, blah. So that is part of our one-liner. We've decided to go after the fitness industry providing one size fits all, which is why the industry is failing clients, right? So there are ways that what it makes your business unique and different, and then try to put that into the problem that you solve or the reason why clients have a problem is because what the other gyms are doing without necessarily having to call out a brand or a name and attack them, right? But if you have something unique and different in your gym, you can put that as part of your one-liner, which I think is really important. Once you create your one-liner, repetition is key right? Branding is about repetition and what are you known for? So being able to put it on your website, put it in the footer of your emails, put it on your business cards, put it on your brochures, putting it inside of your social media and figuring out ways to incorporate that inside of your social media so that when you show up, people know you, your elevator pitch. So when people ask you, what do you do? You don't go, I do 45 minute small group training workouts. Yeah. You and everybody else, right? You want to be able to give them the one liner What's the problem that you solve? What's your unique solution? What's the outcome that you deliver? And then if you're doing an interview, what tell us about your business. Give them the one-liner. You're going to be way more memorable than another business who's just, oh, I do workouts. Workouts aren't valuable. Plain and simple. Stop competing on workouts. Stop telling people you do workouts. They are not valuable. Workouts don't solve anybody's problems. 
they actually cause pain for most people. Starting a gym for most people is painful, right? So we want to be known for solving a certain problem inside of their business. So some other ways to think about this is I see a lot of people's websites or a lot of people's sales funnels or people trying to explain what they do. And gym owners love features, but people don't buy features. So when we think about a feature inside of your program, I hear people like, we provide accountability and support. Yeah, you and everybody else. But what problem does that actually solve? So a lot of people think that they lack consistency. They're not motivated. That's a big pain point is a lot of people, I'm just not motivated. So being able to, a one-liner for this, like on your website, if you're like, hey, we provide accountability and support, that might be the feature in the call out, but then being able to describe it, something like this. Do you struggle to stay consistent with your workouts and nutrition? Everyone's like, yeah. <laughs> At X Gym, we provide science-based accountability so that this is the last time you have to start over again so you get the results you're proud of. So being able to say, do you struggle to stay consistent with your workouts and nutrition? People are going to say, yes, that's me. I struggle with that, right? And then say, here's what we provide to help you, the solution. And then what is the outcome? Is they're going to get results that they're proud of so they don't have to start over again? Because most people have failed seven to eight different diet programs, weight loss programs. There are so many people that have lost weight and gained it all back. And that's one of their biggest fears and one of their biggest problems. And being like, the reason is because you don't have science-based accountability. Again, you don't have to go into explaining what's science-based accountability. It just sounds like a great solution to the problem. Everyone says, I provide custom nutrition, which most of you don't which is a lie. Giving somebody a meal plan that is cookie cutter is not a custom nutrition plan. So people will catch on to that. If you provide a custom nutrition plan, then actually provide a custom nutrition plan. But here's what a one-liner for that would look like is most diets leave you confused, frustrated, and hungry. We put an end to all that with our name, whatever you want, your nutrition system, with our nutrition system that makes it simply simple and easy to know exactly what and how much to eat to get you the results, your friends and family were asking you what you are doing, right? So again, that's a one-liner. You don't have to, it's not confusing. I understand what you mean by that. That's where you want to get into. So when you are trying to sell a feature of your program, break it back down. What's the problem? What's the solution? And then what is the outcome that they get when they use your program? So now all your features on your website and on your sales funnels and in your email copy, Think through the one-liner content. And then the last part of this, and then we'll move on to a few other things and let Dustin take over, email and social media content. You can do that as well. You can start using your one-liner, but what are the problems that your clients have? That should be a majority of your social media content. Here's the problem that my avatar has, and I'm going to create these one-liners type of content. Agitate the problem, show what your unique solution is, and then what is the outcome when they do business with you. And then the last part of that is a lot of us mistakenly as small business owners, we like to tell people what they need to do. And all we do is come across as non-empathetic to the client that we don't understand. We're not relatable. Me and Dustin are males where we target females that are 30, 40, 50 years old and they're moms and they have different obligations than, than we do, we don't understand them. That's how they feel. So if we're telling them, hey, this is how you fix your late night eating problems, Mrs. Jones, they're going to say, screw you. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't understand me. You don't understand my life. So the key is you can still give them tips and tricks and things that they can be doing, but you want to do it through using your client's stories and using them as an example. And what you want to do is position yourself as the guide. You helped them with their struggles and their issues, but it's that client's unique struggles and issues. And these are the things that the clients did to overcome it, which would be the same things that you would tell that client to do. But now it's coming from a relatable person and it's coming through story versus you coming across as this is what you need to do. So here's an example of an email for you. Uh, the title would be two things Julie did to lose 30 pounds. So again, client lost 30 pounds. 
we're positioning ourselves as, hey, we helped this person lose 30 pounds. We must know what we're doing. But it would go something like this. Hi, name. I just got done talking with Julie who lost 30 pounds in the last four months with us. And I want to share with you two things she did that I think will help you. Prior to coming to us, Julie struggled with late night eating. So we had her do two strategic things. So the problem was she struggled with late night eating, right? And then we helped her with two strategic things. So the solution, and we provided the solution in the person. The first was remove any tempting foods from her house or at a minimum, get them so they don't weren't visible or easily accessible. So obviously we're talking about their environment, right? She replaced her favorite late night treats with a high protein alternative that helped with her late night cravings, but allowed her to stay on track. So those were the two solutions. We all have things that might hold us back from our weight loss goals, which is why we create a custom nutrition plan for our, all our clients. If you'd like to get a custom nutrition plan, 100% risk-free, schedule your starting point session today. And then it keeps going into a little bit of urgency for them to move the needle. So I used a client's story. I used the one-liner framework to write that story. What was the client's problem? What was the unique solution? And then what was the outcome that person had? Obviously, they overcame their late night eating problem. They lost 30 pounds with us on our program. And then ultimately, small call to action of how we can help them do the same thing. You can easily write emails every single week doing that. And here's the deal. That was a made up story. 100% made up. And I'm, I wrote it in two minutes. It's not difficult if you understand the one-liner. It's not difficult if you understand what your client's problems are. It's literally, hey, what's a problem? What's a few tips that I can provide to that person? And then how do I create a narrative around a client's story? You all have people that come to you that, hey, I have this issue or this problem. Turn it into an email. Use your client stories. Use the problems. Use the discussions that you're having inside of your locations and then turn that into content. That can be social media content. That can be email content. And that is going to convert 20 times better than you writing, hey, here's two tips to help you with your overnight eating problem. Again, you're not relatable. Share stories. People remember stories. People relate to stories. Stories sell. So start using that. And I guarantee you right there will make a massive shift inside of your business and make a massive shift of how your clients feel about you as a local fitness business owner. You become the guide, your client is the hero, and you will create unlimited content around that. But it all starts with clarifying what's your niche, what's your avatar, what's the problems that your clients have, and then positioning yourself as the guide of being able to help them with those problems. All right, that's all I got on that one, Dustin. Hey guys, it's Dustin Bogle with The Fitness Empire and we want to connect with you on social media. So Matt and I are asking you to either friend us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram and we'll follow you back. But you wanna search our name, Dustin Bogle or Matt Wilbur, and here's what we wanna do for you. We wanna help you with your biggest pain point in your business. So send us a DM, tell us what that big pain point or struggle is and we'll share with you whatever we've done when it comes to that pain point in our own business, all right? So again, go on Facebook, Instagram, search Dustin Vogel, Matt Wilbur, connect and let us help you grow your business. Love it. And so again, everybody's listening or watching to recap, the main theme was confusion. That's why your leads aren't buying. What Matt was identifying is your one-liner clearly states what you do told you how to build it, how to push it out to all your different channels, how to even write an email around it. And that is huge. And it sounds so small, like I'm just gonna write a one-liner, but if you build your business on it, think of it as a pillar, like it can have huge effects. I know that's your input on that. I think what I wanna touch on when it comes to confusion is just the ability to communicate, which kind of leads into your one-liner. Cause like that's actually more difficult than it sounds. Like writing something simply and clearly means you have to be good at communication. And a lot of people I looked at that are very wealthy and successful, I actually did a post on this and it triggered a few people. I said, wealthy people are strong communicators. And it wasn't the people that kind of got triggered by it said, hey, just because I'm not wealthy, does that mean I'm a crappy communicator? I said, nope, you're on your way to being healthy because you built that skill. But I don't meet a lot of people who got wealthy who are crappy communicators. And if they do, they usually lose all the money quickly. So what I identified was that there's two main things around communication, right? You have to be able to speak well and verbalize what you're trying to say. You have to be able to write well 
And these are the two things that strong communicators can do. And so when people say, we repeated this before, John Maxwell says leadership is influence, but how do you lead? You have to communicate. Nobody can just sit in a chair and have their lips zipped and lead people. You ha- you're literally talking to them. You're writing to them. You're casting vision, which means I have to write it or say it. And so when we're trying to be more clear and avoid confusion, we have to develop these skills. And I find that too many people don't look at every time that they're having a conversation as a chance to improve my speaking skills. Every time I'm writing a text, how's the grammar? How's the punctuation? Did I write it clearly? Take every opportunity that you're writing or speaking to work on this skill because it's a skill you need to the day you die. And so if you want to become wealthier, you got to become a better communicator. Most of the time when the team is not able to follow your instructions, you didn't package it clearly. You didn't say it simply. You didn't give a next step. There was something you didn't give a deadline. You didn't say who owns it. And so you failed to communicate. And so these are all things that, again, will help you to avoid confusion. And it's also how you speak to your leads. And so going back to Matt's thing, like how well was your one liner written? That means you have to communicate it, right? Or if you get on camera and you talk about your offer, but if you just say, I have this sale, I have this 28 day challenge, I have this free week pass, that doesn't take a whole lot of communication skills, but you're also not saying back to his point, the problem you solve. It sounds like you want me to come in and do business with you and you're trying to take my money and you're not saying, how, what are you here to do for me? And so we have to become good communicators. So examples I'll give you guys. Who are some wealthy people who can, you know, use speaking skills really well? How about singers and musicians, public speakers? We see at conferences, social media influencers. They're all based off of their ability to communicate on social media. Actors, right? Coaches, like all these people are speaking into the people they're leading. And then who's writing well? Definitely authors, right? People who are copywriters, writing things for marketers, Producers, the people who write the movies and also social media influencers, because some of them write, they don't always do video. So all these people are wealthy and they have this these skills that allow them to make money, but it's built off their ability to communicate. Well, you as a business leader, this is a skill you have to develop. And so if you're not clear on your, what you offer, the customer can't be clear on what they're buying. And you have to be able to say that really clearly. So where are some places that you're going to show up and use your communication skills as a gym owner? So verbally, when you're doing a sales call, right, or you're standing in front of somebody and you're selling them, I have to speak to this person. I have to get them to dig into their pain. When I'm coaching a client, right, and I'm having to have a tough talk with them about compliance or that they want to cancel, I have to communicate. The better I can communicate, the better I will have my outcome that I'm after. And then how about team meetings? When you're casting vision, when you're giving your team assignments, like, how clearly did you explain the assignment and when's the what's the deadline? Did you ask for their in? Like, this is all verbal skills, right? And then when we go written, how about if you got a document at SOP? Do you write it really clearly or was there a lot of jumble words and a lot of word salads and it was too much and I couldn't understand what you're trying to write? Or if you're creating content, if you're writing a post on social media, if you're writing a text, you're going to blast out to your members. I had an email that I just wrote that got misunderstood. And so that was feedback to me that I could have wrote it more clearly or I should have had other eyes on it. Sometimes I, I feel like I've written so much. I'm good. Every, I'm a master writer. But nope, I just had people misunderstood what I was saying on an email blast to my members. So that is, again, something we can always be improving is our speaking and our writing skills. What is the ultimate goal? to be able to say things more clearly to all the people we influence, our clients, our team members, and our leads. Again, the main reason we're hitting this one hard is that we have firmly believed that confused leads don't buy. People move away from confusion and they move towards clarity. And so if you're the clear brand and the clear gym owner in town, I will move towards working with you. If I'm confused by what you offer because you got goat yoga and kids programs and boot camp and one-on-one PT, I just, I don't know what to do And so I just won't move forward with you. And that's why, again, we love the micro gyms and the small gyms and the boutique and studio gyms because most of them do niche down to one. Why does somebody not go to a big box gym for these problems? Because they do everything. They have a pool and they have a running track and they have a cardio zone there. And so people don't know what the problem is. Mainly they think if I need access to equipment, I know I could go there. But if I want to coach, people don't think a big box gym. They think, I'm going to go to this local studio. They've built a brand. They're known for getting results. They're a transformation center. That's where I'm going to go. If I want equipment. My problem is I need equipment. I'll go to the big box gym. So that's what I wanted to touch on with confusion. Any Anything else you would throw in, Matt, before we move on to the second? No, I would say there, 
there's so much correlation between business owners that struggle to lead their team and also be able to communicate what they actually provide to the marketplace. There's, I see it everywhere. We just did hot seats yesterday. So part of the bonus of getting on early is hot seats. And one of the things is we were like, we were going to help you solve your number one problem in your business right now. A lot of people struggle to articulate what that problem actually was. So if you struggle to articulate what the problem is, how hard is it to find a solution to that problem? So you need to be able to identify exactly what the problem is in order to create the solution. So it would take us several follow-up questions to figure out exactly what the problem was to help create the solution. And that is hindering a lot of businesses. A lot of people aren't clear on their expectations with their team. And one of the easiest ways to know, hey, was I cleared? Is who, what, where, when? When you're giving something to your team, who, what, where, when? And that actually speaks to every single part of the disk profile as well. So you're hitting every single person and providing them what they seek with that type of messaging as well. So when you're messaging to your team, just think through that lens. Is all of that there if it's not clear? And you're going to struggle because you're like, I told my team and they didn't do it. It's because you weren't clear. And you go back to taking responsibility for everything in your business when your team does not follow through, you need to go, I must have not been clear, not they must have not been listening. And you will be able to be a much better leader from there. And then the other thing is the perceived value of what you're providing is a lot higher when you solve somebody's problem. So if you can be very clear on the problem that you solve and how you solve it and the outcome that they get, the perceived value of what you provide is going to be very high. A lot of people are like, Another six-week challenge. What does that even mean? And guess what? Every gym offers a six-week challenge. And now you're just going to be a race to the bottom because you just offer the same thing that everyone else does. And more than likely, they probably already tried what they think your solution is, and it didn't work for them at the other gym. Why is it going to work for them at your gym? So that is another reason why you need to get very clear on the problems that you solve, not what is the thing that you offer 30-minute workouts, 45-minute workouts, one-on-one. That doesn't solve a problem because they already tried it. They've already been working out for 20 to 30 years. What's going to be the difference with your workouts versus somebody else's workouts? It's only so valuable. So keep that in mind. Guys, we said the number one reason people aren't buying from you is confusion. We're going to move to the second reason, and that is trust. Funny enough, another thing that stems from communication. So the second communication, you will be able to establish trust and you won't get a sale. Matt, how could gym owners build more trust with their leads? Remember this, ingrain it in your brain. This is going to be super valuable for you. The fastest way to gain trust is if you can explain the client's problems better than they can. If you're doing a sales consultation, you can explain the problems better than they can. They're going to build trust. They're going to be like, this person understands me. They must be able to help me. They understand me. They can help me. If they don't feel understood, they're not going to trust you that you can actually help them. That's why in sales, they talk about you need to listen twice as much as you talk because only by listening can you actually understand what that person needs and how you can help them. So that is pretty much my biggest point on there. And again, it goes back to the first part. If you do a very good job of clarifying your message, the problems that you solve, if you understand the client's pain points and the problems and you have your unique solution and you understand the outcome and the thing that they desire, you're going to build trust with that person. And that is going to lead to massive amount of sales. And that means you get to help more people. Love it. And it's funny because I was talking about this on another podcast that I was a guest on. And I said, this is the true test of you developing the right product for the right avatar is when you're establishing trust in the sales presentation. So the example was, if I had a 70-year-old lady, and she came in front of me, we're having a sales talk, and she said, Dustin, I need more bone density, I need more balance, I need independence to get out of a chair on my own. The whole time she's talking, I'm mentally going to be freaking out because I'm going to be thinking this is the not right, the right product for her. I didn't build this product for this person. Uh, she's a, she's a, the wrong person sitting in front of me. And so I actually, if I want to be ethical, tell her she needs one-on-one PT or she needs to go to another facility 
and she's not the right fit for us because that's not who we work with. It's okay to refer out, to build a relationship with other businesses that do specialize. Again, if they're good at what they do and you believe in them, send them people and then they'll send you people when they don't serve them, right? So I'll say, hey, there's this other facility. They work, they specialize just with people 60 plus. Every problem you have, they solve there. I'm going to send you over there. They're going to take great care of you. But on the other end of the spectrum, I have a 35-year-old mom. She says, I've tried six different diet plans. They didn't work. I'm frustrated. I'm eating very low calories and the weight won't come off. My sleep is crap. I'm stressed out. I put everybody first. I don't know what to eat. One YouTube person tells me to eat this. The next person says that. The whole time she's talking, I'm like, oh my God, I cannot wait to reveal my solution to her. This is exactly what she needs. I built this thing for her. And again, then when I do start sharing my program with her, after hearing her problems, I know I'm going to build trust because everything we have is built for that avatar. Rather, there's going to be lack of trust with that older gal when she tells me her problems and I tell her all of our features. She's I don't really like trust that you're in, out here for my best interest. I just think you want to make a sale because everything you're saying doesn't seem like it's going to solve my problem. So again, like that's a great way to look at it is like trust. The thing that I wrote in the book was trust equals transactions. And so if you establish trust, you will get what you want, which is another member. You'll get the sale. But without it, don't be surprised that people are not buying. So that's why, again, this is number two and why your leads are not buying is you're just not trying to build trust. You're just cutting your prices. You're running a sale. You're giving a promo code out. And that doesn't give me trust. It just gives me savings, right? That's not a way to build trust is to give, give me a lower price. So that's the thing that I want to point out. And then the other thing is, if you go for the sale too quickly, you're just, you're going to just burn trust with the person. And then honestly, you just burn that lead from ever buying from you. And so say you, you just push them off by just being too pushy, too salesy. And we all know we don't want to be like that, but evaluate your outreach. Is it coming across as too pitchy and too salesy? Maybe you're, that's not your intention, but if you go and read what's being sent out, you're like, oh my God, the way this is representing us is we are being pushy and salesy. And so I need to change my messaging. I need to build trust first, right? And so how do you do that? That's the number one thing people ask. So in the book, I actually shared something for you guys called the trust building campaign which was an exact outline of a formulaic way to build trust with a lead before you offer your sale. And it's very similar to what Matt brought up earlier. Number one, introduce yourself. Who are you? Who's the owner? Why'd you open this gym? Why? Do, what's your mission? Why do you want to help people? They want to know you. And that builds trust with your brand when they know the owner. You could introduce your clients and share those customer stories where you say, hey, here's Julie. She lost 30 pounds. Here's Mike. He's lost 40 pounds. And again, the more you can make your customer client or your customer success stories match with who you're marketing to. So if I'm marketing to moms, I want four or five moms on that trust building campaign. So that they say, oh, these are my people. And each one of them is talking about the struggles of being a mom. No pitching. I'm just giving free content and free stories. And then also value hooks, right? And so these are things that are like guides that speak specifically. So if I said a Fat loss over 40 guide is in that trust building campaign. They met the owner. He seems like a nice guy or gal. They look like they work with moms. Now they gave me the free guide to lose fat when I'm over 40. Now would be a better time for me to go in and make the sale versus I just, you just came on my list. Hey, we have a challenge. Are you ready to sign up? No trust. Who are you? Why should I pick you? You haven't showed me any credentials. Why would I buy from you? So it's basically a series of stories. And then at the end of it, you can go into a, a sale. And so that is a, a systematic way to build trust with your leads. Matt, anything else you would touch on with that before we dive into the third one? That goes back to the first part again is only talk about the problems that you can actually solve. So if you're telling the world you do X, Y, and Z, and you don't actually do X, Y, and Z. That's the fastest way to burn trust. And we're small local business owners. Your reputation is everything. Do not burn it for a sale ever. You're in it for the long game. I made a post the other day is we need to have short-term urgency. Like we're going out of business tomorrow if we don't move, but then we need to make decisions like we're going to be in business for 100 years. If you make decisions like you're trying to be in business for 100 years, then you are going to make decisions that innately build trust and build your reputation 
But if you're making decisions with just urgency and I need to make a sale tomorrow, you are going to burn that trust and then you will not be in business for a hundred years. So just keep that in mind when we're thinking about creating that trust. When I think of trust too, it's what's my reputation? Because the better your reputation in your small town is, the more trust that you're going to have in your local marketplace automatically. That's your brand. Your brand ultimately is what do people think about you? What do they feel about you? What do they believe about you? That is your brand, right? And the better that is, the more trust that you will have and the easier it is for you to sell your products. Yeah. And last thing I'll just throw you guys on this topic of trust is to evaluate your own buying behavior. I get pitched all the time. Like my members will come up to me and say, hey, we would love to have you sponsor the baseball team. And you're going to be on the back of the shirt with 20 other logos. And I ask myself, when has me or anybody I've known bought something off of the back of a t-shirt logo? Like never. So this is more of a nice guy play or giving back to my members. I'm not going to get any sales from it. So when gym owners are saying, should I print the business card? Should I hang a banner up at the baseball field? I just say, always go first to your buying behavior. Do you? When's the last time you bought something from a business card on your car or a banner? And if you never did, there's probably a good chance your clients have it. And so what I like to point out is we're very pushy. To like, why are the leads not buying? They just opted in yesterday. Why are they not buying? Why didn't they opted in today? Why are they not buying? When's the last time you opted into something and bought the same day? And I said, like, just think of the last thing you bought from an influencer or a company. Let's reverse engineer what you did. You probably followed them. You started watching their content. You started watching their stories. They started like influencing you saying, okay, this company, I align with their messaging. They make cool products. I'm going to read some reviews. Probably 30 to 60 days later, if we're being honest, you finally made the sale. Unless you were in a high amount of pain, you needed this thing ASAP. Most of these things that we buy, we look at them for a while. Maybe we look at competitors and we price shop, and then we finally make the buying decision. So if you reverse engineer that every lead is not going to buy that day, they're going to buy 30 days or 60 days. But how can I make sure that happens? What is the nurturing sequence you want to take them through to make that happen at a higher number? Do I want 10% of them to buy now or do I want 50% of them to buy in 30 days? I'll take that every day of the week. So again, just look at your own buying behavior when you're like pressuring for people to buy. You don't buy that way. How could you expect other people to buy that way? <laughs> All right. We're going to yeah, press the, the other thing right, I just yeah. add about when you're buying from a brand is how well do you feel understood? Right? So they understand my pain points. They understand what I'm going through. And again, if they feel like they understand you, you're more likely to buy their stuff. And then the other thing that they probably eventually had was some type of scarcity and urgency to, to get you off the fence. But you don't want to lead with scarcity and urgency and buy my product right now. You can work in scarcity and urgency throughout the relationship to get people to get off the fence, so to speak. But if you give false urgency, false scarcity all the time, guess what you lose? You lose trust and they're going to be like, oh, they're just doing that. They don't really mean that. That's BS, right? And they're not going to, again, they're not going to like you. Now, if your network is 360 million people, you can get away with some stuff because the market is so big that you can get away. But as a local small business, there are too many local small businesses trying to do what big businesses do that have. 360 million people to a billion people to market to. And you're like, they do it. I should do it too. You should not do what they do, right? Take some of the stuff that they do, but realize what are the dynamics of being a small local business and realizing that if you do what they do, you will burn your audience and lose the trust. And then eventually you're going to be like, none of my marketing works. It's because you lost the trust of the marketplace. And at that point, you're screwed. It's really hard, really hard and really challenging to bounce back from that. Love it. All right, guys, we're going to move on to our third one. And that is the third reason people are not buying, your leads are not buying from you. And that is uniqueness. Now, I'm going to jump in on this one, Matt, first. This one is near and dear to my heart because this is a lesson I actually learned from pro wrestling. All the pro wrestlers we know and we could think of usually are the most unique in terms of their characters. The Ultimate Warrior, The Undertaker, Stone Cold Steve Austin, John Cena, they all have a very memorable and unique character, but there is a ton of wrestlers that nobody remembers, and they usually just had some blue trunks, 
They had a very plain Jane name and they just didn't have a memorable entrance or finisher or character. And so people forget about them, right? And so what I learned when I got started in business was like, I have to be unique because if I'm in a sea of the same people, I'm going to get lost and forgotten about. And this is definitely hit really well in the book, Blue Ocean Strategy, the difference between a blue ocean and a red ocean. Red oceans just filled with blood because all the sharks are fighting for the same fish. So that's if all these fitness studios are fighting for the same clients at the same price point, the same offering, the same session times. They all say they have great culture. They all say they have accountability. You are in a red ocean. The blue ocean is where competition doesn't exist because you have a unique offering. And so examples would be like, think of Netflix, how many years they had a jump before all the other companies jumped in having a streaming service. I think they had a 10 to 12 year leap with blue ocean, zero streaming services, complete market dominance. And so that is something that is a blue ocean, right? Tesla, the first to have these electric vehicles at, a, at an affordable rates. All these other companies are jumping in and trying to compete and make it a red ocean, but they had a huge leap for blue ocean that they had no competition. Again, I know if you go into most fitness facilities, we're probably doing similar things. We're doing squats. We're doing push-ups. We have positive culture. How can we be unique, right? This is a good thing for you to sit down and really identify. One thing that I would point out is number one, build out a unique process that you have that nobody else has because then they can't price shop you, right? And you can't say, I'll just go see this other gym. They don't have our proven process. We're the only ones that do it. And building out your version of a proven process. How do you do things? How do you onboard? What is your nutrition system? What is your training system? What is your beliefs and around helping this specific avatar? Well, build it out into a simple three-phase process. Give it a cool name and say, we're the only ones that do this process. Similar to Matt, like we do the science-based accountability. How many other gyms are saying that? None, right? We do custom nutrition. Others will say they do, but ours is really custom nutrition. And so explaining how every part of your process is custom and different and unique than all the other gyms in your town. So that's the third reason is people might not be buying from you because they just don't think you're unique. They think you're just like all the other guys. And basically, if you're in the sea of other people, then just price shop for the lowest price. It's gym A is 150, gym B is 150, gym C is 130. Hey, they're all the same. What does it matter? I'll just go to the 130 gym and I'll save some money. But if you are gym A, proven process, unique, super different, and I can't, like, who do I go to? There is no price fight, right? Because I literally have zero competition. So make yourself in a blue ocean by building out more uniques in your business. And that's going to help you stand out and get more leads to buy as well. Matt, what would you say about this third topic, uniqueness? I think this is massively important. It's how do you position yourself different than everybody else? And again, when we go back to when we want to look at positioning, we need to relate it back to the problems that we solve. So how do we uniquely solve our clients' problems? And a way to think about it too would be like, what's my magic bullet? What's the secret? What's the thing that is finally the thing that I'm missing? And this is the reason why I'm not getting results. You want to have as many of those as humanly possible. So we, in our business, we call it a custom fitness solution. And that's really the missing piece is one size fits all is the problem, is the issue, because no two bodies are the same. That means no two workouts should be the same. That means no two nutrition plans should be the same. No two lifestyle plans should be the same. No two accountability programs should be the same. So all our clients have a goal and a custom program to achieve it which then is finally going to get them the results that they're proud of. But all the other gyms don't provide any of that. So being able to, it's, a, it's an us versus them type of mentality, but no one provides those level of services that we provide, which means that they've never tried what we provide. And until they do, they're probably not going to get the results. That is what you want to imply with that. What separates your business from everybody else? If you look at fitness franchises that are large group, boutique fitness franchises, there's 85 to 90 of them. If you were to go to their website and you were the consumer, you'd be like, I feel like they all provide the same thing. This person's maybe 30 minutes. That one's 45. That's 60. But they're all talking about their workouts and high intensity interval training and nutrition support and some accountability. And you're like, which one do I go to? 
It's who's the cheapest or who actually answers the phone and gets speed to lead when that person's finally in enough pain that they think that they need to go to a gym versus, hey, this place understands me. They know my pain points. When I'm ready to get in shape again, I'm going there. That's how you want to be positioned. So uniqueness is really important. I don't think a lot of gyms spend enough time thinking about what makes us unique, what makes us different. And then here's the other secret. Your team gets behind that uniqueness. Like, hey, here we do this. No one else does this. We're the only place that does that. So sales is about conviction. You're a lot more convicted about you what you provide if you provide a unique solution to your client's problems that no one else does. So uniqueness should be a part of your culture as well. We do these things. Other gyms don't do these things. This is what makes us different, us versus them type of mentality. That gets your team to buy in a lot as well. And then that conviction goes into the clients. That conviction goes into the sales process. That conviction goes to when they're talking about their friends and family in the gym that they work at. Hey, we're unique. We're different. We're better than all the other gyms. But you got to communicate why. You got to be clear on why you're better than all the other gyms without saying, hey, we're better than all the other gyms because nothing will turn off your demographic faster and be like, oh, we're the best. We're better than everybody else. You can say that without saying that by getting clear on your message, getting clear on the problems that you solve and clear on what makes you and your gym unique at solving those problems. You will stand out because everybody else is in the sea of normalcy and they're not memorable. They are not unique. And then to Dustin's point about pro wrestling, there is a level where uniqueness can then also be like weird and freak show. And, and that also doesn't work, right? So you need a level of uniqueness, polarization, but you don't want to be like too radical and too weird and too funky where you're now your demographics like 10% of the demographic. You're really not appealing to enough people. So that's like over niching on the uniqueness, right? So being able to realize what your demographic is, who you're going after and not overshoot what we're talking about here. But most people don't come anywhere close enough to, to overshooting and being different than everybody else. So I'd rather you eye on the side of pushing the boundary a little bit and being able to bring it back versus being way too conservative and then appealing to nobody and be like, oh, I tried and it didn't work. Get creative. Use your imagination. Just don't be freak show is all I'm trying to. Don't be doink the clown and then start clown fitness. Is it unique? Yes. Would you scare people off? Hell yeah. So it's like people don't want to go hang out at clown fitness. So yeah, I agree. You could go too weird if you try to be too unique. All right, guys, we'll see you next week. Bye. Hey guys, Dustin Bogle here. And I wanted to invite you to my free group for gym owners. It's called Fitness Sales Made Simple because I wanna show you how to convert more of your leads into sales, how to get more people to say yes to taking that leap of faith to join your program and to get healthy, fit, and more confident, all right? And so I'm gonna share my best sales strategies but you gotta join the group to see what it's all about. And in fact, the minute you join, I'm gonna give you a free gift. And that is a PDF called Five Ways to Get More Sales in Your Gym. So join the group, I'll tag you on the PDF and enjoy the free content. See you in the group.